this whole launch was a really big deal for the industry. But they're also saying it's the first chip that brings together a data center, CPU, GPU, and memory into a single integrated design. So maybe we've been actively trying to become less human, and now computers are pushing us to be more human and more complicated. From Orion X, in association with Inside HPC, this is the At HPC podcast. Join Shaheen Khan and Doug Black as they discuss supercomputing technologies and the applications, markets, and policies that shape them. Thank you for being with us. Hey, Shaheen. Great to be with you again. Great to be here. How are you, Doug? Good, good. I hope you had a good holiday break. We did our special year-end double edition episode, which kind of carried us through the whole holiday period. First episode of 2023. Thank you all for being with us. There we go. So some interesting news of late in the world of HPC. We thought we'd talk about some of the new chips from AMD and, and actually officially finally announced by Intel. Absolutely. I think it was a big launch for Intel. January 10th, Sapphire Rapids finally happening. Ponte Vecchio finally happening. They're available now. Yeah, I mean, the Ponte Vecchio thing has been a long-running dramatic series, and it's great to see that it's finally here. And of course, Sapphire Rapids also was delayed, and these are going to play key roles, of course, powering the Aurora Exascale system that's being put together at Argonne National Lab. Intel also has a distinction with, they're also calling the fourth gen Xeon scalable processors, and that's, that is Sapphire Rapids. But then the Mac series CPU and the Mac series GPU have additional memory bandwidth. Right. So their description was not clear, and they sounded like they wanted to have it both ways, that this is a fourth gen CPU, which is really a big deal, but also Mac series. And then it wasn't clear whether Mac series really is fourth generation or isn't or doesn't matter. But anyhow, we have it, and it is GPU <laughs> Max. And while I'm kind of ranting about that, the other thing was that they said it's a hundred billion plus transistors, almost like we stopped counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they stopped counting at that point. We're not sure. But <laughs> we got to hundred billion and we stopped counting. But it's more than that. There were many more there that we did not. Count. So I was hoping that we'd get an exact number. But it is obviously a hugely impressive chip with 47 tiles, and they talked about 128 gigabytes of high bandwidth memory on it, all within a 350 watt envelope. And the fact that it's now shipping and available, I think this whole launch was a really big deal for the industry. Yeah. And now we also have AMD talking about their MI300 GPU. And here we have, uh, this is a nine five nanometer chiplets. They're more specific on the transistor count. They're saying more than 146 billion. That's right. <laughs> right. But they're also saying it's the first chip that brings together a data center, CPU, GPU, and memory into a single integrated design. So, you know, again, tiles, I mean, this is a system on a chip on steroids. That's right. And they were some rumors were saying that one can expect this chip in sample quantity later in this year, Q3 or Q4, that the tape out was going to be sometime towards the end of May, beginning of June. I don't know how reliable these rumors are, but for what it's worth. And of course, the whole launch was a bit of a, let's steal some thunder from Intel and coincided with the CES conference in Las Vegas, which was back in force in person this year. And the whole thing was in keeping with how chip vendors are launching things these days, which is many times. So <laughs> Over and over, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of starting to develop a taxonomy for it where you have it on a roadmap 
and then you use it in whisper suites, then you claim the space, and then you pre-launch, then you launch, then you relaunch, and maybe there's an imminent launch in advance. So you're trying to really take advantage of these impressive lines of works several times. And you know we've seen NVIDIA do that, now AMD's doing that, and I imagine all of them will do that. All of them are worried, of course, about their competitors just being in the spotlight and staying there. So they've got to do multiple iterations of their launches. <laughs> I guess, you know, Intel certainly talked at great length about these new chips at supercomputing in November. So when they announced this last week, I'm like, well, how? yes, we know all about this all already. <laughs> so anyway, it's fine. But That's uh, right. That's right. No, good, good, good milestones. Kudos to Intel for delivering them. And that bodes well for Aura too. Yeah. There was another development over the last couple of weeks. We covered an article from Satoshi Matsuaka of the Riken Institute on 12 myths of HBC, a very interesting article taking up really basic developments, trends in HPC technology trends. And I thought the best part of the article was their analysis of these technology categories and what will have to happen for them to emerge and become adopted in the mainstream. Things around quantum computing, uh, disaggregated computing and, and these sorts of things. So it was a great article. And to those of our listeners who have not listened to Professor Matsuoka when he was our guest some months ago, before SC22, go look that up. That was a fantastic exchange with him, going all the way back to earlier days of his career and all the accomplishments that he's got as a leading light of HPC. So a lot of that expertise and just depth shows up in this paper. Now, some of the items are more mythical than others, as you mentioned. Some of them I don't think a lot of people really believe in, but there are a few that are really very nice and are worth a good substantive discussion. I'm hoping that we can invite him and go through these myths one by one. Yeah. Uh, but there are a dozen of them, and as you said, they go everything from quantum computing to deep learning, to accelerators, to cloud, to languages, Zeta scale, all of the above. Really enjoyable and important discussion. Yeah. You know, and he did say he'd love to come back and join us sometime. So hopefully we can take him up on that. Yes. We also uh, had something that's kind of an annual write of the new year, which is a predictions article. So over the last two months of each year, predictions come in from mostly from vendors and from their PR people. And I put together a piece that I thought was a selection of some of the more interesting ones. And right now, I'd say in the general public, among the general public, this whole notion of generative AI is really taken hold. The chat GPT news. And again, you know, more than a million downloads in the first week. I don't know how many downloads they're up to now. This is, it sort of came on, first emerged toward the end of November. So it's multi-millions by now. But this mm -hmm. notion mm -hmm. of combining, for example, search with an application like ChatGPT, where you're bringing in natural language processing and your search results would not just be a list of suggested links to go to, but also some commentary on that topic. This strikes me as a very powerful potentially very powerful kind of development. Very much so. Very much so. I, I read that's a, that's also a very good article. Go look it up on Inside HPC. It's called AI Flavored Set of HPC Predictions and some really good ones. I'm going to single out one from Bob Petty, who is VP of Professional Visualizations at NVIDIA because I worked with him at SGI and I have a lot of respect for him. It was a lot of fun working with Bob. Hi, Bob. But loved his perspective that everything built in the physical world 
will first be simulated in a virtual world that obeys the laws of physics. That is absolutely right on. And I think it is the impetus to a lot of future architectural and application developments that we're likely to see. But all of the predictions are really pretty good. Some of them are less predictions than wish lists or kind of description of what is already happening, but they're all really good. Well, great. I'm glad you liked it. I enjoyed putting that together. And again, to get back to my generative AI, I thought a great prediction was from Jonas Kabilius of OxyLab's advisory board. And it talks about multimodal models that can handle text, images, audio, and other inputs for multiple tasks. And his quote is, we will start seeing a shift from using AI for static tasks like classification to language model-driven interactive workflows that help people perform their tasks more efficiently. But one of my favorite people in, in HPC is Dr. Englem Go of HPE, and he's talked about this concept of the emergent property where you're combining disciplines, combining computer science methodologies and disciplines, and even scientific disciplines. And once you start bringing those things together cross-category, then you're really talking about something that could be tremendously powerful. That's also absolutely true. I think history of science is the history of multidisciplinary discovery. As sufficient depth is achieved in a particular area, you have to combine multiple areas, multiple disciplines to get into new insight. So that also rings very true to me. Yeah. You know, I, I was listening to an analyst this morning talk about ChatGPT and yes. the fact that, you know, Microsoft is an investor in OpenAI, which created this application. And that, therefore, ChatGPT could be brought into the Bing search engine, and this could make it an actual competitor with Google search. Absolutely. I think uh, one observation is that ChatGPT3 will actually generate a report for you that you otherwise would have to do a bunch of keyword searches and then synthesize your own conclusion. Mm. Now, it is just a tool, and it is liable to be patently wrong, so you have to have it read by someone who can filter that out. But it's going to get better, and it's already impressive, and I think that's really why it's in the news so much. And again, that analyst this morning said, you know, it, in many ways, chat GPT is like human being in the sense that some people you talk to give you wrong information or bad analysis, so it can happen. Yeah. The other point I think it's worth mentioning, if, if this is where we are now, where will generative AI applications be in five or 10 years? It'll be really fascinating to see how this evolves. Yeah. Now I have to say that when I've tried it after five or six times of trying it, when the luster wears off, it mm -hmm. sounds like a student who is submitting a paper without really knowing what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It feels very cut and pasty and, you mm -hmm. know, like more words than necessary, but all of that is going to get better and better. And already in the marketing world, people are using it to do the first or second draft of a blog because many of those blogs are really targeted at search engines anyway. Mm -hmm. And that actually raises another point to me, is that while ChatGPT can generate text, it obviously can also read text. You can give it very long involved samples or instructions. So while it can automate the creation of content, it can also automate the consumption of content. Mm. And I think that that's really an important insight for us to really focus on is that longer term, human beings may not have to read the stuff that ChatGPT puts out. It could it's be a, another bot 
that reads it and then tells us whether or not we should waste time with it. <laughs> <laughs> so AI being read by AI and then maybe filtering through to us if it's content worth reading kind of thing. I totally think so. And this goes yeah. back with what I've described as, you know, the future is going to be human beings standing by the side of a digital pool, teeming with physical and software bots, talking to each other and keeping each other busy and doing all those things. And we have put a toe in, and a lot of this stuff is not even for our benefit. It is for just keep the bots going. So I'm not too worried about being inundated with material that is not authentic or generated by a human being. And I think that authenticity is going to be more and more important. This is one insight, by the way. The other insight is that I read this in another paper that human beings over the past N years, we've tried to simplify what we do. And as we simplify what we do, we make it easier for computers to replicate. Mm. So maybe we've been actively trying to become less human, and now computers are pushing us to be more human and more complicated. To rise above that. And level. let our edges, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Interesting. That it, it's up to us to move beyond, again, as you say, sometimes chat GPT, the results it does read a little bit cut and pasty. Very much. After, Very much. I mean, especially if you try it half a dozen times, you start feeling how it's kind of sounding that way. Yeah. But that's not bad though, right? For certain use cases, it's awesome. Right. If I were a student these days, I would use it as maybe not even a first draft, but just something to get going with. That's sort of- That's right. Yeah. But the other thing also is that it is by definition rear view mirror. So if you're using it, for example, to crank out an NDA legal document or something, if there's a new law that just got passed, well, it's not going to know that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as predictive. Yeah. And it, it might be more on the synthesis side as opposed to predictive. You're right. Yeah. Maybe descriptive is more the word there. Yeah. But nevertheless, a great achievement. Also, we have to remind our listeners of Lambda, the conversational AI from Google that we talked about earlier in 2022. And Google did not make that publicly available. So we could have had the same situation way earlier. Mm -hmm. So I expect competition for this kind of a text and image and video-based AI to be quite intense going forward. Yes, indeed. All right. Well. Wonderful to be with you again in 2023, Shaheen. I'm looking forward to our episodes to come, and hopefully we'll be talking with Satoshi soon. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Take care. That's it for this episode of the At HPC podcast. Every episode is featured on InsideHPC.com and posted on OrionX.net. Use the comment section or tweet us with any questions or to propose topics of discussion. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The At HPC podcast is a production of Orion X in association with Inside HPC. Thank you for listening.